Welcome back to the Power Mom Minute podcast. This is the fifth and final installment of the Pregnancy and Parenting in a Pandemic series, which was a Facebook Live series I hosted back in April with the goal of helping parents navigate all the things during the pandemic. If you missed out on any of the interviews, you can listen to a few of the featured episodes on the podcast or go to parentingpandemicseries.com to sign up for free access to all 17 expert interviews covering topics ranging from fertility to mindfulness to health and fitness to working from home, productivity, and more. These 17 experts shared tangible tools, tactics, and strategies to help you survive as a parent not only during the pandemic, but also in the future as you navigate parenthood in the new normal. On today's episode, I welcome the leading high-risk pregnancy expert, somatic stress and trauma professional and speaker, best-selling author and mom of two, Parijat Deshpande. After being on bed rest for most of her pregnancy and delivering her first child at 24 weeks and five days, which was 15 days longer than expected, Parijat used her personal experience to embark on a journey, learning and researching about how the body's nervous system reacts to stressors, anxiety, and fear associated with a high-risk pregnancy. In this episode, I learned so much about how she approaches the stress cycle and how to use neurobiological techniques to help improve your overall mind and body connection. She explains why deep breathing and a lot of common quick fixes aren't the answer to combating stress long-term and why she doesn't believe in stress management. I think my biggest takeaway in the episode was how to tune in, acknowledge, and really listen to your body effectively so that you have the proper tools to respond to stressful situations that change your baseline stress level. I think her approach is extremely fascinating and different from anything I've ever heard and can be applied to more than just a high-risk pregnancy, but pretty much in any situation where you feel and undergo high stress, which as a parent, I feel like is quite often. So sit back and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Power Mom Minute. I'm your host, Stephanie Uchima Carney, and I'm a modern day business mama who believes you can have it all. This podcast is all about going behind the scenes of the lives and businesses of successful moms in business in order to uncover the daily rituals, life lessons, real life tactics, and favorite tools that you as a mom can use to apply to your daily life and business. It is my mission to educate, empower, and inspire moms like yourself to build your dream business while having the freedom and flexibility to enjoy life to the fullest. Power Moms, it's time to rule the world. Now let's get started. Hello and welcome back to Pregnancy and Parenting in a Pandemic. I'm super excited today to bring to you another mama. This is Parijat Deshpande. She is a mom of two um, and also a best-selling author and an expert in high-risk pregnancy. So welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. I know. It's like we finally get to meet in like virtual <laughs> real life. So we yeah. like know each other through kind of social media and we're in a <laughs> Facebook group, but like we've never had like a one-on-one like face-to-face combo. So this is amazing. This is Welcome awesome. Welcome to technology. <laughs> yes. So I want you to give us a little bit of background about who you are and kind of what you do. Yeah, sure. So I am, like you said, a mom of two. I've got a seven-year-old and a 17-month-old. And I am a high-risk pregnancy specialist and a somatic stress and trauma specialist. I work specifically with women 
going through a high-risk pregnancy or recovering after a high-risk pregnancy to help them improve pregnancy complications, taking a psychoneuroimmunological approach, fancy way of saying uh, the way that our nervous system reacts to stressors, to anxiety, to the fears that come with having a high-risk pregnancy. I teach you how to regulate that so that you can improve your immune system and your endocrine system to help you have a healthy pregnancy and give you the best chance at bringing home a baby. Uh, And that work was inspired by my personal experience of infertility losses, a very high-risk pregnancy where I was on bed rest for many weeks um, for almost the entire duration of my pregnancy. And then I delivered my son extremely preterm at 24 weeks and five days. (gasps) And then we were in the NICU for seven months after that. And it was really that experience when I realized, you know, this is a whole piece of prenatal care that nobody is offering as part of our prenatal care. Really? No, there's nothing, there's no part of this, but it was making a huge difference. I mean, so much so that I was experiencing preterm contractions and I could see them stop when I was able to completely make my body tension free in the hospital. And that is what kind of helped me stay pregnant until 24 weeks and five days. I was expected wow. to deliver around 22 weeks and uh, five days. Give me the chills. Like, yeah. oh my goodness. How <laughs> big was he when he was born? He, he or was just... a little less than a pound and a half. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He was tiny. He was tiny. Wow. And so I have a personal stake in this, you know, as I want to see moms stay pregnant as long as possible because I've lived through weeks. what can happen. <laughs> So what were you doing beforehand? Uh, So I was trained in clinical psychology. So I was kind of on the traditional route there. I was doing psychotherapy with children and families. I was teaching upper division psychology courses at a university nearby. And I had started a mental health nonprofit. So I was running that. And um, when I became the patient, I realized how much of my training does not actually translate to support women in my position it was such a fascinating moment of knowing what I knew professionally and then being the patient going, yeah, that's not what I need right now. Wow. That's, that's totally not it. So after my son came home and you know we were, on, we were actually on lockdown for two and a half years. So this is actually kind of a familiar lifestyle for us. So once we came out of that, I started planning and working on building this business. And part of that was doing um, an extra research of diving into, there's got to be something here that I can offer because I know it works. It helped me stay pregnant for 15 days. So if I can do it, anybody can do it. And diving into that is really what allowed for me to, to turn this idea and this personal experience into something that I now teach my clients and now community members. And then that's where the book came from when I realized, oh, I really need to get this out there. There's a lot of research that's supporting the work that I'm yeah. doing. I'm not really talking about it. And so from there, it's all just kind of unfolded. So I, I really credit my son for a lot of the work that I do. And how is he today? He's amazing. You would, you'd never mm. know. He, he's just, he gawks around going, I was really small when I was born. (laughs) And then your second, how was that uh, pregnancy different than your first? Well, it was completely different in that I was not pregnant with her. We had her a gestational carrier. Okay. So it was so eye-opening to see what a a healthy, normal, typical, low-risk pregnancy is like. 
and and then to experience it from the outside and then um, to meet our daughter the day that she was born. But even so, like as a mom, I feel like there's still so much like stress involved with even if you're not the one carrying it, just like you're already feel like you're the mom of that baby, like taking care of even the, you know, the carrier and all of that. And so managing your own stress so that you also are being a good mom to your first. Totally. Totally. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea you went through all of that. Yeah, my goodness. So I guess <laughs> it's, it's kind of ironic. So I didn't realize it was national infertility awareness week. And yesterday I interviewed a fertility expert in acupuncture mm-hmm. and Chinese medicine. And then today I have you and tomorrow I have two more. And I'm like, this was just it wasn't planned. It literally was out of, I mean, I was just like, let's find some awesome people that can help women on pregnancy and how to manage stress and how to deal with, you know, should you be trying to have a baby right now? How do you go about fertility treatments? Just everything. And it happened to line up. So I'm super excited you're here today because you can cover a lot of that stress during pregnancy, especially if you went through infertility, especially if, you know, you've been even not like going through infertility, but like high risk for something else. And it's, you're in this environment where your doctor's not easily on hand and you have all these other things like, oh my gosh, I can't get sick because what if, what if, what if? So how do you even go about managing all this stress? Yeah. I will tell you what I say all the time, which is you don't. Uh, I think stress management is a terrible name for it. It's a terrible word. It implies that you have to control all the things and that when these things out around us are all in better shape, then we'll feel better. I think it's a really disempowering approach to it. And I think, um, and it's physiologically incorrect. And so I, what I like to say is how can we release the stress, right? We are in a pandemic where we don't, we don't know what's going to happen. Things are changing almost daily, depending on where you are. It, it sometimes multiple times a day they're changing. And it's very, actually very reminiscent of having a high risk pregnancy where you're in such a dynamic situation. The stakes are really high. You don't know what's going to happen. And yet you want to do everything you can to make sure everybody survives and, and right. makes it out of this. Right. And so it's not about managing the stressors. It is about taking it in, going, okay, this is a really hard time. I'm going to acknowledge what's happening to my body right now. I'm breathing shallow. My shoulders are really tight. My back is really achy. My stomach hurts. I'm having migraines all the time. Whatever it might be, first, we've got to acknowledge it and notice it, right? And that's, I think, the hardest part because we like to gloss over that and go, how do I just make this go away? Mm -hmm. But what is the this, right? How is it showing up for you? So we've got to really go deep into our bodies. What's happening? What is my body telling me? What are these things that are changing for me? I'm not sleeping very well. I'm angry all the time. I'm crying all the time, whatever it might be. And then when you notice where it is in your body, our job is to release that. You know, we talked about you, you, you're familiar with this. There's the stress in it of itself is a cycle. It's, it's like a curve. And so we start with like no changes to our body. And then as the trigger kind of sends us into the stress cycle, we get into that peak. And then our job is to actually complete the cycle and come out on the other side. I like to think of stress as a cycle and not a one-time event. And so we start with, I mean, stress in and of itself has nothing to do with the the actual circumstances that are happening, which I think is really eye-opening for a lot of people who are like, what? That's not what I know about stress because we use the word incorrectly actually in real life. 
And so if I like to explain it, like stress is a, it's a set of physiological chain reactions that happen in our body in response to something. And so what I like to think of it as is when something happens, like for example, we almost get hit by a car or we're going for a walk and there's a dog that barks near us and um, it scares us, right? We go from baseline to all the way up to our peak and our job is to complete the cycle because we can come back down to baseline. And the cool thing about our bodies is we are capable. We have an entire branch of our nervous system that's designed to bring us down. The problem becomes we get stuck up here, you know, in that in that high peak part of the cycle because we disconnect from our bodies and we go, let me fix everything around here and let me f- try to control all the things. And I say this as somebody who just loves to be in control of all the things. Um, <laughs> same, same. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. What we need is to actually release the survival stress that is coming into our body. You know, we go into fight or flight, we've got to release that somewhere because we're not actually running anywhere and we're not actually fighting anything. So we've got to find another way to release that. We release that, we come all the way back down and we're back at baseline. It really is a beautiful, beautiful experience when we're able to do it. So how do you even go about like thinking it? So say you're in that situation, you know, you're being attacked by a dog or you're like, you know, you have a, quote, I guess a stressor. Cause I apparently use the word stress wrong. I'm always like, oh, I'm stressed. Oh, this is everybody does. It's not just you. Everybody. So, so how do you reframe this? So think of it as your body is giving you clues right? It's giving you clues about where you are in the stress cycle. Are you at baseline? Are you coming up? You know, are you starting to notice you're getting tighter, more uncomfortable, more angry, more antsy, more anxious, whatever it might be? Or are you on your way down? You're starting to feel calmer. You're starting to feel relaxed. Like where are you? Or are you right in the middle and you're like right at the peak of it all and you can't think straight and you can't, you know, you're not able to come up with words. You can't remember things like what's going on for you. It's, it's a, a really important point to know where you are in that first. So you know what to do. And then the second piece of it is instead of turning outwards, we need to turn inwards and go, what is my body telling me? It doesn't matter actually what's happening out here. Uh, Assuming you are physically safe, it doesn't actually matter. What matters more is what is my body telling me that it needs? Do I need to be moving? Do I need to be, you know, changing my posture, changing my positioning? Can I actually even feel my body because we become so disconnected from it. And it really starts there. And then how can I place myself in the situation that I am right am I'm in right now? And so I teach my clients first before anything else how to bring your senses back online because we lose those when we are at the peak of our stress cycle. We don't have access to them. And when we can start actually turning those sensations back online, what happens is we start to automatically come down of that stress cycle. And we just have to massage it and we have to provide ourselves the the appropriate support based on what our bodies need. But we're going to be coming down and not really, I don't want to make it sound magical because it, it's not magical. It actually is just how our bodies are meant to function. We're able to come back down from the other side. And are there any sort of kind of like techniques or like quick tips that people can do without like having to go through the entire process? Or like, is there any like is it breathing? Is it, you know, what anything that they can tap into that could be a quick fix or anything? So there are no quick fixes, which right. I hate. I hate saying that because <laughs> you sound like such a negative person. Like, sorry, you're stuck in this forever. That's not what I mean by that. But but I the quick fixes that you have available to you, you can find a million of them online right now. All kinds of breathing ideas, you know, ton, tons of options here. 
any of the quick fixes that you do are going to find give you relief for like a few minutes or a few hours at a time. And you're going to find yourself right back at the top of that cycle, just like a rubber band. You can stretch it all you want, but at some point it's going to spring back until unlike a rubber band, you actually, um, you know, are able to come down from it. And so for real true, if you need a bandaid, there's a million of them online. I don't typically recommend deep breathing because it actually works the opposite in a lot of ways, especially if you're in the peak Ooh. of this. Tell me more about this. Cause I'm, I'm a big proponent of like trying the mindfulness stuff when I feel stressed. So I like detach myself and I do breathing. So tell me more. Why, why shouldn't I be doing this? Yeah. 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 So the, the thing with deep breathing is we tend to think that if we breathe deeply, then we'll calm down. And it actually works the opposite is when our nervous system calms down is when we breathe deeply. When we are activated here, we are supposed to be breathing shallow. Like that's how our body is supposed to be working. And if we try to override that, when we haven't come down from that cycle, we're telling our brain to do something that it's like, hello, you're in danger. It's not supposed to happen like this. And so it's, you're, you're going to bounce right back. Like it's not going to stick with the effect of that. Instead, what I suggest is bringing your sensations back online. This is, this is a really uh, powerful one is like touch something and notice what it feels like or smell something and notice what it Mm. smells like and notice how your body's changing because we cannot be in that top part of the stress cycle and be engaging with our senses at the same time. It's physiologically impossible to do that. So if you can smell it, if you can hear it, if you can feel it, then you are now coming down off of that. And so then you follow that and you follow that. Maybe you add more sensations or you smell something else that's a little bit stronger or whatever that might be. There's a lot of different ways to do that depending on what's happening with your body, but you allow for yourself to follow that path back down to baseline. Now, what happens if your stress is like, so right now we're all, and even with a high risk pregnancy, a lot of times it's not just a single thing that stresses you out. It's like the whole thing you're under stress. I mean, like right now, the stress of the uncertain and unknown and like the stress of like, if I go to the supermarket tomorrow, will I get coronavirus or, you know, the stress of like, oh my goodness. I mean, we've, we've chatted about this, but like just my kids are home. Like I'm trying to work. They're yelling. I'm trying to homeschool. I'm juggling this. So I'm stressed already. So like my baseline is like here versus at a normal time here. And so if my baseline's here now, I'm almost like at a higher level, I'm not peaking, but I'm here. So what can we do about that? If we're always living in this like constant state of stress um, over time versus like, if you hit a peak, then you know how to kind of get yourself back down. But what happens when you raise your baseline? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is where we hear a lot of the conversation that I I love that that we're talking about this is when we stay up high, whether it's at the peak or just higher than our usual baseline, which is, I I love that you said that because that's exactly where so many of us are living, if not all of us are living just at an elevated baseline. If we are not able to bring ourselves back down, we become frozen in that state. And that's what we talk about when we're saying there's a collective trauma that's happening Mm -hmm. is that then our nervous system gets frozen there. And so that's why it is so important right now that even if baseline is, is a little bit, is a little or a lot higher than usual, we want to keep it 
fluctuating because that flexibility in our nervous system is going to protect us from this becoming and developing into trauma if we don't have it already, if we're not living with a traumatized nervous system already. So creating that flexibility, doing everything you can that as soon as you recognize, oh, this is higher than my normal, you come back down, even if it's a little bit. Uh, and then okay. you probably will pop right back up and then you come back down and then you will go back up and then you come back down and you keeping that, that movement is what's going to allow for our nervous system to, to be protected from developing into a traumatized nervous system after all this is over. Are there any routines that, or like rituals or, or different things you're implementing right now that you may not have done before? Or is there anything that like, because of this pandemic that you are doing in your daily life to help kind of reduce that baseline? So, or is there anything you can suggest like either you or like have helped others? Because I mean, you're really good at managing your own, but like safer for all of us out there who don't have that trained stress muscle, (laughs) you are like myself. I know my baseline is here. I mean, I already am at that the minute I had my next baby, like it it keeps rising. And so like, I feel like I haven't dipped down. So is there anything that I like that people have changed in their routines right now, when you are at an elevated stress level in general, your baseline to help that lower fluctuation. So not just like, once you go up, let's figure out how to cut back down, but I'm here steady. Is there anything I can do to just flex it a little lower and almost go that way, like a low wave. Absolutely. Almost like preventatively before you get the Yeah, exactly. It's like a preventative thing. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, I suggest turning inwards and looking at where you're holding it in your body. Because before we have the thoughts, before we have the anxious thoughts, before we have the angry outbursts or whatever, you know, the overwhelming, oh my God, and then the furious to-do list writing. Um, I know I'm not the only one. experiencing that before we have any of that, our body has already gone into uh, either a defensive posture or a posture ready to mobilize. And so I would recognize where you are because wherever you are is going to depend, is going to determine what you do next. So I'll give you an example. For some people, it's just like a lot, right? You've got kids at home, partners at home, work hasn't let up and homeschooling and worries. And there's all these things. And you might find yourself kind of sitting more like that. That's me. I get stressed. I mean, I I feel tension here. Mm -hmm. I actually had my husband do one of those like hypervolt gun things to my back because I'm holding so much here. I feel like I'm I'm always kind of slouched. Right. And so if you, if you're always slouched, which is, I'm so glad that we're talking about this in such specific details. Like if you're always slouched, this is your body's way of telling you you're going into a defensive posture, right? Like mm-hmm. imagine if, if any of your followers know anything about what I talk about, I usually talk about this in the example of being chased by a bear. So in this case, there's a bear, your brain has identified danger and in our case, in reality, it's it's this virus and all the things that come with that, right? And the pandemic and the financial outcomes and all of everything that's tied to that. So there's danger right there. And your body has gone into, I need to hide. I need to, you know, like that's how I believe I am going to survive this bear attack is by going like this. When we have that kind of uh, achiness back up here and you notice you're slouching a lot, I find that if you actually lean into it and you just allow yourself to go into the protective stance and stay there and notice what happens to your body, because likely what will happen 
is you're going to be in that position. This is what I see with my clients in, in both cases, right? I'll talk about the other example in a second. You, you lean into it as opposed to trying to fight it, right? Because we go, oh, I got to massage this. Oh, I got to stretch. I got to, you know, undo all of that. But instead, if you try to do the opposite, you lean into the, that defensive posture, you allow for it to sit there. And then you notice what's happening to your body. What you'll notice is actually that desire to be in this position disappears. And within, I don't know, several minutes, depending on your situation, you'll notice that you're automatically going to start sitting up again. And what you'll also find, which I find to be so cool, is that achiness is going to start going away. It's amazing. It reminds me of um, like, this is a weird example, but like they say when you're like, if you get attacked by a snake or something, you know, like, and they like wrap around you, the best thing to do is just to relax, like relax into it versus like fight it. Because the more you like try massage and fight and like go against it, the more and more it constrains you. And the, yes. and so, they, you know, they say, I guess if you're wrapped in a snake or whatnot, you just kind of like ease into it and like succumb to being like, okay, wrap around me, like take me. And then they just release. It reminds me a lot of that. I never knew that. Good to know. (laughs) I don't know. Random. I think it's the same. It's whatever. Yeah. I think it's like a boa constrictor or something. If you get attacked. Yeah. Good to know. Awesome. (laughs) Yes. It's exactly like that. The other example that I give that I think is addressing exactly what you're saying is when you are learning how to float on your back, the the thing you want to do is to fight it because you think you're going to sink. But every time you fight it, that is when you sink. <laughs> if you right. succumb to it, if you allow for it, and if you if you lean into the float, that's when you stay up. And that's uh. it's exactly what you're saying with the snake analogy. And that's exactly what's happening here is you- I'm going to have to try that. Just means <laughs> about- completing the cycle is you're allow your body is going, we got to hide. So you let yourself hide and then your body will know what to do next. And it will come out of that cycle and you'll come out of it with a slightly lower baseline likely. And then probably you'll come back up and then you do it again and you do it again. And it's, it's just like when we used to go to the gym, you have to do it consistently. It's not, there's no one thing. And if anybody's telling you there's one thing, they're lying to you. There's, there is no one thing. Our our bodies just don't work like that. Yeah. And you were saying there's the opposite where like, I I wasn't sure. I think you said like one case is like going. So then for, for other people, you might notice that you're like, you're sitting and you can't say my leg, but you're like, leg is shaking when you're sitting Mm -hmm. or you can't sit and you're just pacing back and forth and you can't sit still, or you're feeling restless or whatever that might be. That is your body's way of getting you to mobilize. Now I want to highlight here that that doesn't mean you should go for like a hard run or like pound it out on the Peloton for an hour because uh, you don't want to increase the, the load that's on your body, but pay attention to what movement your body is trying to make. If your leg is shaking, can you, you know, pace around the house for a little bit? If you're pacing and it's not enough, is there some part of your upper body that you want to get involved with to release that energy? And as you're releasing it, it's doing the exact same thing. It's coming out of the other side and you are completing that stress cycle because your body knows how to do it. That's that, that's just the coolest thing I find is your body knows how to do this. We just got to allow it. Wow. So I'm curious for you during your uh, pregnancy, what was your thing? Like what was your um, trigger or what? Yeah. <laughs> what was my trigger? Oh my gosh. What, what helped you stay in for another 15 more days and keep your baby in until 24 weeks? I did. I went wet noodle. 
So I oh. was in the hospital by that point. So 22 weeks and four days is when I landed in the hospital. I was three centimeters dilated. My medical team was convinced, like, you're not going to make it through the weekend. And they were bracing us for after everything you've been through, you're not going to bring this son, this son home. I said, well, let me try one more thing because I know that when my body tightens up, which is what we were just talking about, your body either gets tightened because it's trying to hide or it's getting tight because it's trying to run. I noticed that every time I got tight, my contractions would pick up and you could see it on the monitor consistently. And when I was able to turn my body into a complete wet noodle and even down to like eyebrows, like all these tiny muscles, when I was able to completely release that tension, the contraction stopped every single time. So I didn't have a lot of resources with me at the time because I was on strict hospital bed rest. I wasn't allowed to get up. I wasn't even allowed to go to the bathroom, like none of that. So it was really challenging, but that's really what set this in motion is if I, in that situation, I don't think there's anything special about me. If I was able to see those results and we were able to, to get those extra 15 days, anybody can do this. And then that's the beauty of this work is because it is built into our bodies. We just have to let our bodies do what they're trying to do. It's amazing because so so many times we don't listen to our bodies. No, no, we we don't try and fix things immediately. (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly it. Wow. Yeah. So how are you at the moment as a mom of two working Mm -hmm. from home and stuff? How's your stress level and what are you doing at home right now to maintain (laughs) structure and maintain sanity? Right. Well, right now I'm on the way down. Oh, on the way up. I was in my peak. (laughs) To everyone. And I think that's before I answer your question, I just want to hit home that that's that is what I want everybody to take away from this. And I say this in my book consistently, I say this in my course also. It's hitting the peak is not the problem. We are always going to be hitting our peak throughout our life. It is being able to come down from it as quickly as possible. That's where we start to feel the relief and the the health benefits of the that stress cycle. We don't want to be stuck here for that long. We want to be able to come down quickly. So, you know, I have found, you were asking like, what's some new things for, for this time to include in daily habits? I have found personally that if I can really lead with my body, I am way more able to stay on the closer to baseline or my new baseline now. And then I'm able to tolerate better when my kiddos are losing it and having a really hard time, um, which is the whole other conversation we could have. But I found that I have to lead with my body. So if I wake up after a night when I haven't slept well because the baby's been up and she's teething or whatever's going on, I have to lead with, okay, my body is exhausted right now. I can feel that. I'm canceling everything. Anything I have said yes to, it's not happening. And I have to do that because I have I have no reserves right now. I'm, you know, we're running on giving everything all the time. And so we find ourselves peaking a lot during the day. And it takes, it takes effort to come back down, but also we need to stay down to really get the benefits of it. And we're not getting enough opportunities to do that because there's so many things happening around us. So I find for me personally, I just, I have to lead. So if I'm in that defensive posture, if I'm noticing I'm hunched over one day, that's a good clue for me. Like this is too much, whatever this is for this day, it's too much. I'm canceling it. I'm trusting that people will understand Mm -hmm. they are all going through the same thing and I'm just going to say no. And I find that that really allows me to just physically 
feel differently and therefore I can show up uh, in a much more open way emotionally for the kids when they need it. Are there ways to like mitigate the triggers that you know? So say there are certain like things that you know induce stress or triggers that even like whether you're pregnant or whether we're home right now and we know that like if this kid does this thing, it triggers me. Are there any things that you can suggest or do to almost like stop you from even peaking like or even getting there because you know the trigger that's going to lead to this spike? Yeah, totally. No, that does make sense. That's really the beauty of of the work that I teach is how to do that. And so much of that comes from knowing, like you're saying, what the trigger is. So for example, if you know that your your kiddo screams when they're hungry and that's that particular pitch of scream right now (laughs) is really hard to tolerate. So then, you know, we have food available and you can think ahead, but we can't think ahead when we're at the peak. Right. Right. So we keep going back to that. We've got to come down to be able to plan ahead. So, yeah, I think one piece of that is knowing what those triggers are, thinking of them ahead of time and then getting really creative on solutions that you can either use to mitigate it or to use uh, as they come up. And so they're quick fixes and go here, here's some food. This is what you like. And then the screaming stops and you feel feel better. Right. Just as an example. The other piece of it is more internal, which is noticing what it feels like when you are baseline versus this, which is peak. What happens in between? And what are the signs that are coming up? Because there are signs in our bodies. We just, like you said, we don't notice them right away. We're so disconnected. So can you start getting used to noticing what are my like pre-flags that, oh, mm-hmm. this is where it's going. Because if I can catch it early, then I can do something about it, either internally or externally. And I was thinking you could almost start lowering those peaks too. Totally. So it's like you're almost starting to bring the... <laughs> totally. I like to, I didn't even think about that. Like I remember um, even before all this happened, like when I would get really stressed, I would go to see my like massage therapist and she's like, oh yeah, you're holding a lot of tension here. I was like, I know I need to work it out, but then it never really like gets better. Like it gets better for about a few days. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Or like I'll sleep and say like, oh, I think I slept funny, but it's really where I hold my quote tension is what I thought. So if you work it out, it'll go away. But I never thought like, oh wait, there's more to it. Yeah. That's incredible. Yes. I, I'm going to have to start paying attention more <laughs> to body to hear how that goes. <laughs> oh, that could, that would be very helpful right now. <laughs> so but just talking on the motherhood side, how are you again, like managing, you know, working from home, the kids, like, do you, is your husband working from home? Like, how do you structure your, your days besides like, say, like getting up and doing the whole, like, if, it, you know, leaning in, does it feel good? Not going to yep. cancel everything. Like, say for right now, how are you like juggling it all? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> not great. <laughs> <laughs> Like, how are you getting the kids not to run behind you or like, to, how do you, how do you quarantine them off? Yes. Actually about up until five minutes before this, I was quite certain there was going to be a kiddo with me on this call. Um, you know, my husband and I actually, it took a couple weeks to settle into this because when we were on lockdown with my son, after he came home from the NICU, I wasn't working. I had to stop working during pregnancy. So it was a very different situation. So in that way we had to learn quickly, like, oh, wait. I've got things to do too still. So I've actually, thankfully, because we are business owners, we have a lot more flexibility, I think, in terms of adjusting to things like this. So I have created more opportunities for people to work with me without it being 
time bound so that for them, it's much easier for them to not have to show up at a certain time until they have the ability to do it on their end. And then I, we don't have to coordinate schedules, which I found to be so difficult right now with the changes once everybody kind of got on board and everybody was at home. And then between my husband and I, we've split up the day. So I get a couple hours at the end of the day to work and then one weekend day. And because he works in a more traditional job, he doesn't have as much flexibility during the weekday. So then most of the weekdays during kind of normal business hours or his work time while I'm watching the kids. And we are, you know, I'll tell you what's been helping a lot is being able to inject one fun thing every single day. It's either something that's new. So I either, you know, bring out a new toy that they haven't seen in a while, or it's doing something completely out of our normal schedule, like, you know, doing these online um, virtual zoo tours or something, because my little one is old enough now to kind of recognize some animals so she can participate too. Doing something to shake up the schedule or something kind of novel to just bring us out of our day-to-day kind of drag that routine. And I will say fully in full disclosure, it does not work as well as I'd hoped (laughs) nearly most of the time. I mean, most of the time it's just a, I hope it works today. (laughs) Also kind of telling a toddler and trying to do that. I mean, I have a 22 month old and and you can't really, (laughs) no, it's good in theory, but it's good to have something to try and look forward to and say like, we're going to do this. Um, I, I was gonna say, on that note, I've been asking everyone this and you've kind of answered it, but I want to see if you may have a different answer is what is your number one tip right now to parents to survive? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that said it all. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I'm in a place to give that tip. I'm <laughs> barely hanging on myself. I, I think, you know, I'll tell, maybe I'll just share what's helping me and maybe it'll help other people. Yeah. What's working for you is to have one thing that has nothing to do with family and nothing to do with business. So I have a podcast that I listen to that is pure fun. It has nothing to do with anything. It is just for me. It's nothing. Which one is it? Enjoy. Okay. It's totally nerding out here. (laughs) I am my, well, actually both my husband and I are obsessed with better call Saul, the show, which is the prequel to breaking bad. And they have this podcast called the insider podcast, where they literally talk about the behind the scenes of making each episode. It is like the nerdiest thing ever. (laughs) And it just brings me so much joy. I love it. No, that's great. So you do, so you, you're like, basically in a nutshell, it's self-care too, or it's like doing something for yourself, like doing something that fuels you up that doesn't, I mean, nerding out to that. That's awesome. I mean, I, hi, I did like, I jumped on the bandwagon. I watched some of the tiger King. I mean, I do some random, you know, things that you just need. Actually the worst was love is blind. I definitely watched that. I don't know if you've seen that on Netflix. Oh, it's the trashiest thing in the world, but it's, it's incredible. And it's one of those things where it's like one episode, then you feel like, okay, (laughs) I got that out of my system. Yeah. I got that out of my system. So yeah, that's, that's mommy's self-care for the day (laughs) is a trashy show. (laughs) So I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining today. I really appreciate the time out of your schedule and all those insights. Oh my goodness. I'm going to have to like rewatch this and dissect and like, and also you guys read her book, Pregnancy Brain. Well, thank you so much for joining today. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Power Mom Minute podcast. Your support means the absolute world to me. You can find the show notes for the episode and other goodies over at powermomminute.com. And if you enjoyed this episode or have gotten value from the podcast, I'd be so grateful if you could head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review so that we can reach and empower more moms all over the world together. Each week, I'll be reading some of those reviews on air. So stay tuned and you might just hear yours. Thank you so much again, beautiful mamas, and I'll see you here next time.